Hey everybody, this is Kim Doyle from Grand Thornton and you're listening to Tax Time Podcast, the show that covers all the latest in tax and for people who like to be kept informed. On this episode of Tax Time, I will be discussing the latest developments in Ireland. I'm joined by my colleagues Florian Hollander, our manager in our Dutch firm, and Elaine Flynn, associate director in our Irish firm. Flor, Elaine and I will be discussing the income tax and corporation tax considerations when individuals work abroad, particularly focusing on Ireland and the Netherlands. Just before I speak with Elaine and Flora, some two or two key developments in the Irish tax landscape of late. The first one concerns the debt warehousing scheme. Very recently, revenue announced an important and significant extension to this scheme. So essentially what this means is businesses with debts warehoused under the scheme and who are due to enter into an arrangement with revenue to deal with that debt by the end of the year now have until the 1st of May 2024. Revenue have said that given the current economic uncertainty, this will allow these taxpayers to benefit, continue to benefit, sorry, from a reduced 3% rate of interest until the 1st of May 2024. And the hope is by that time, taxpayers will have a clearer idea of the debt and their ability to repay this debt or the type of phase payment arrangement that they need to enter into with revenue. A second key development concerns two key measures announced by the Minister for Finance on Budget Day. Now, at the time of recording this podcast, we're still waiting on the finance bill to be published on the Thursday, the 20th of October. But what we know already in advance of the finance bill publishing is that going to be, there's going to be two amendments to these two. The first is the new 500 rent tax credit is now actually set to apply for students in third level education where the rent is paid by their parents. This is not something that was announced by the minister on budget day. One key point in relation to this that we expect to see in the bill is that the tenancy must be registered with the RTB. A second measure that is due to change um, compared to what was announced by the Minister on Budget Day concerns the defective concrete products levy. Now, while this is not abolished in its entirety as what has been called for by some media reports, but what we expect to see in the bill is that it will be amended and delayed to next September pending stakeholder consultation. Hi, Elaine and Flora. Um, so I know we've many clients in both our Dutch and Irish offices who work either here in Ireland or in the Netherlands on behalf of their employer. And really, I think it's fair to say that since the COVID-19 public health restrictions have eased somewhat, we have actually seen a greater number of clients working remotely or working abroad for their employer. I'd imagine, though, with all this, there are tax implications that must be considered. So, Elaine, I suppose if I'm thinking of the income tax, you know, are there any implications that the individual should consider if they are working abroad for their employer? Thanks, Kim. Great to chat to you about this, um, as it is an area which is quite topical at the moment, um, particularly as we've seen a lot of clients implementing remote working policies. Um, so I suppose just in terms of your question, if we take a scenario where we have an individual employed under a Dutch contract of employment, they've taken up a long term secondment to Ireland and they're going to work remotely from Ireland for their Dutch employer. Um, for a period of two years. So just in terms of the personal tax implications from an Irish perspective, um, on the basis that that individual will spend a period of two years working in Ireland, um, that individual will become tax resident here because they spend at least 183 days in a tax year or 280 days over two tax years. Um, and therefore, they'll be subject to tax in Ireland on their foreign employment income to the extent duties are carried out in Ireland, um, as well as kind of Irish source income and any other foreign income that's remitted or brought into Ireland. Um, so the this the the fact that they're subject to tax in Ireland on their foreign employment income um, includes their Dutch employment income where duties are exercised in Ireland. So yeah, there, there are personal tax implications for the individual. 
um, then I suppose through um, kind of conversations with our colleagues in GT Netherlands um, from a Dutch perspective, we know that the Dutch implications also need to be considered. So you're not just looking at the Irish side, you're looking at both perspectives. Um, from a Dutch perspective, again, it, the starting point is looking at their tax residence position. Um, so in this particular scenario where the individual immigrates to Ireland for two years, um, if they deregister from the Dutch local town hall, they may become non-resident taxpayer in the Netherlands. Um, however, in practice in, in the Netherlands, um, the, our, our colleagues in GT Netherlands generally see situations where the employee travels back and forth between Ireland and the Netherlands. So very often they remain Dutch tax resident um, and, and therefore continue subject to be taxed and continue to be subject to tax in the Netherlands. Um, and, and where the situation arises where the individual is subject to tax in both Ireland and the Netherlands, um, tax relief may be claimed in the individual's Dutch income tax return um, in line with the at the Ireland-Netherlands um, double tax agreement. Thanks, Elaine. So that's all in respect of, I suppose, an individual who's, as you said, an, they're a Dutch employee, essentially, and they come to Ireland to work for a, you know, a great, greater period, maybe, as you said, around two years, that type of scenario. And that really there, what you focus on is the tax position for the individual themselves. But what about the employer for the same type of Dutch employee, say, over here working in Ireland? Yeah, so um yeah, so the employer's perspective also has to be considered. So great question, Kim. Um yeah, so from an Irish perspective, PYE exemption is not available um for the employer because the individual is considered tax resident here. So what that means is that the Irish company will be required to operate Irish payroll withholding taxes on the individual's work days in Ireland. And this is generally done um, by way of shadow, a shadow payroll, which is used to kind of calculate the taxes and make the payment over to revenue. Um, from, again, because it's a cross-border situation, we need to look at um, both the Irish and Dutch perspectives. So again, through working closely with our colleagues in GT Netherlands, um, we know that in the case of a two-year secondment, um, the employer is generally obliged to continue operating a Dutch payroll um, and operating Dutch payroll withholding taxes. And so again, you're into the situation of double taxation um, which we mentioned previously, and relief can be claimed for that double taxation under the Ireland-Dutch um, double tax agreement. And Elaine, is there anything that needs to be considered in relation to Social Security in this type of scenario? Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, so Social Security rules are, are separate to tax rules. Um, so we, we, we need to look at the Social Security regulations around this type of arrangement. Um, so generally, Social Security is payable in one country only. Um, so from an Irish perspective, um, what we generally see is that um, the individual may be exempt from Social Security in Ireland because a certificate called an A1 certificate is applied for in the Netherlands and a copy of this is provided to the Irish company um, and that basically retains the individual within the Dutch social security system and exempts them from Irish social security. Um, again, the, the Netherlands perspective is similar because we're, we're working off, I suppose, the um, same social security regulations. Um, so from a Dutch perspective, it would be the responsibility of the employer in the Netherlands to apply for that A1 certificate um, 
to retain the individual within their system and then um, that, that would ask, act as proof that they'll be, continue to be covered by the Dutch social security system and exempt from the Irish social security system. And um, so I suppose for kind of a general global mobility point of view, um, we'd always recommend looking at situations on a case by case um, basis because um, the, the Dutch and the Irish implications um, usually are, are kind of different depending on the length of period of the arrangement um, and, and the different rules within each country. Um, I know also our colleagues in the Netherlands often recommend as well reviewing potential labour law, pension consequences and healthcare coverage. So there is a lot to be considered um, for this type of situation. Certainly, Elaine, as you said, a lot to be considered for this type of um, scenario. And you, you've certainly covered it in great detail there and given us a lot to think about. Um, I suppose, high floor, um, just as I said there, we've heard, we've heard a lot there from Elaine, all focused around the individual and the tax implications for the individual. But if we think about the employer company that these individuals work for, is there anything in that space? You know, I'd imagine there is on the tax side that we need to be aware of. Yes, Kim, I'm happy to. Um, I will stick with the example of Aileen of the two years. So if we are having a period of two years, there are two situations in this scenario. First, you can have an Irish employee, employer ask his employee to work in the Netherlands for the next two years. The other way around will be that the Dutch employer asks his employee to work in Ireland for the next two years. In both situations, it's good, preferably upfront, be determined whether there is a permanent establishment in the other country. If there is a PE, the country of the PE is allowed to subject the profits that can be attributed to the activities of the employee to local corporation tax. To, to determine whether there is a PE, it's, it's important to know that there are in fact two kinds of PEs based on local tax law and the Dutch-Irish tax treaty. The first PE is called the fixed place of business PE. To have a fixed place of business PE present, there should be three conditions that will be, have to be met. The first is that there must be an actual place of business in the other country. The second one is that this place must be fixed with a certain degree of permanence. The third is that the business of the company should be carried on through this fixed place of business. The first criteria, that there must be an actual place of business, is quite easily fulfilled in case there is an employee working in another country. The second condition, a fixed place, would be, for instance, if there is an office space available for the employee, but it could also be a home office. What we see in practice is that it's especially the last condition where the business has to be carried out through the fixed place that results in most discussions with its tax authorities. Many of these discussions are about home office. In principle, a home office qualifies as a fixed place, so a second condition is met, but it's not black and white whether the business could be considered to be carried on through the home office. If it is clear that the employee requires the employee to use the home office to carry on the business activities, the home office may be considered to be at the disposal of the enterprise and therefore the third, sec uh, third condition would also be met. But it's also possible that the home office does not be considered to be carried through this fixed business fixed place of business, meaning the home office. And in, the, in that scenario, the three conditions would not be met and no PE would exist. So for this example, I would like to, to consider that the all three criteria are met. And if that's the case, in, in principle, there will be a fixed place of business PE. However, there could be an exemption applicable in case the activities of the employee could be considered to be preparatory or auxiliary to, to determine whether that's the case. And whether there should be not a PE, even though the three conditions are met, really depends on the facts and circumstances at hand. 
So that was like the first kind of PE that could exist. So if we can conclude that there are there is no PE, either the three conditions are not met or there's there's uh, an exemption applicable for the auxiliary and the preparatory activities, then there could be another kind of PE called a dependent agency PE. If the employee acts on behalf of the enterprise and has the authority co to conclude contracts on behalf of that enterprise, that is possible that it would form a dependent agency PE. Due to the wide interpretation of the uh, dependent agency PE in the Dutch Irish tax treaty, the scope of the dependent agency also covers situations in which the employee actually plays a leading role, and this role has led to the actual conclusion of a contract. So it's not only the authority to conclude contracts, but it's it's more wide now. When an employee is considered to play a leading role, would also again depends on the facts and circumstances at hand. So therefore, we would always recommend to analyze upfront what the tax implications would be in case your company considers to to send an employee to another country to avoid any unpleasant surprises in a later stadium. As as mentioned earlier, the potential existence of a permanent exchange is globally the same for both Ireland and the Netherlands. So the conditions are the same. The exemption that could be applicable is also the same. One thing that's a bit different is the uh, is the possibility in Netherlands to obtain a so-called negative PE ruling with Dutch tax authorities. For this, the entity has to provide all facts and circumstances as well as the tax analysis to the Dutch tax authorities. If the Dutch tax inspector would then agree with the analysis and the facts and the circumstances do not change, then it could be confirmed in a tax ruling that there is indeed no PE, so we can avoid any unpleasant consequences for five years. After that five years, we have to obtain a new tax ruling and we can start over. So, Flora, then, if the conclusion of the tax analysis that you've just comprehensively brought us through there um, is that there is a fixed place of business for corporation tax purposes in either the Netherlands or Ireland, what would then be the main consequences of having a PE in the other country? Yeah, that's of course also relevant. Um, first of all, there is an obligation to file a corporation tax return in the other country. So if we have an employee working in the Netherlands, we have to file um, a corporation tax return in the Netherlands and the other way around if it's an employee in Ireland. And the following question would then be, what profits should be attributed to the Dutch or the Irish permanent establishments? Because we know that we have to file a return, but what should we file then? Um, that's where transfer prices are coming to play. Based on the so-called authorized OECD approach, profits should be attributed to a PE as if it was a separate enterprising performing these activities. Uh, profits should be calculated for the PE, which can be subject to tax in either Ireland or, uh, or the Netherlands, um, dependent where the employee is working for those two years. Um, so if you hear enterprising, you, sh you should hear the, the term arm's length principle. At least that's the term I always think about if I heard transfer pricing. The arm's length principle means that the profit should be determined as if the PE and the entity, most referred to as the head office, were third parties from each other, meaning that a fair price should be agreed. The remuneration of the PE depends on which type of PE is created, so either a fixed place of business PE or a dependent agency PE. I will not go into too much details of transfer pricing, but I would like to recommend to always include a transfer pricing expert by determining the profit of a PE. So if the transfer pricing um, has been finished and we know what to attribute to the Dutch 
uh, or the iris PE, then we know what we can text in the in the play in the country of the PE, and we know that there is a possibility at the level of the head office to prevent double taxation by claiming either a credit in case we have an Irish entity or an exemption in case we have a Dutch entity. Um, so lastly, it is a lot to take in. I can understand that, but please note that if there is a PE in Netherlands for corporate income tax purposes, please always consider that there might be also consequences for VIT as well. Thanks, Flora. Certainly a lot to consider there. And we've discussed a lot around the situation where you have an individual maybe on a kind of what I consider long term secondment. So that would be, you know, a year or two years and so on. And that's the kind of scenario that we've been focusing on. But Elaine, if I can come back to you, just thinking kind of what I'm hearing about a lot more recently, you know, since, you know, the COVID pandemic um, and the resulting public health restrictions really changed the way we all work globally. And essentially the ties with the typical desk in the employer's office is no longer there, certainly not as strong as it was. You know, and we are hearing a lot more recently about, you know, employer companies being a lot more flexible in, in terms of where the actual employee carries out the duties of their work. So say, for example, Elaine, if you have an individual who decides they want to go on a slightly longer holiday, so say a, a holiday, sorry, so say a month or so, but they don't want to use all their annual leave days, they want to save them for whatever reason, but do so then decide they're going to carry out some, you know, work while they're on holidays. Um, is this going to raise any tax issues? Um, thanks, Kim. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, and it's one that we're seeing coming up all the time now with our clients, um, particularly as remote working is, is getting so popular. Um, so, yeah, again, we need to look at this from an Irish and Dutch tax perspective. So um, in this scenario, from an Irish perspective, um, if the individual takes an extended holiday to the Netherlands and works remotely there for a period of two weeks, that individual will continue to be subject or continue to remain Irish tax resident. Um, and where the individual is Irish tax resident and Irish domicile, um, they'll continue to be subject to tax in Ireland on their worldwide income. So this effectively includes 100% of their employment income, regardless of whether the individual is performing their um, Irish employment duties outside of Ireland for a period of two weeks. Um, so that's kind of the Irish perspective. Um, then the, the Dutch perspective also needs to be considered. So um, again, through working closely with our colleagues in GT Netherlands, um, we understand the individual will not trigger a tax liability in the Netherlands for, um, for working there for a period of two weeks. Um, but I suppose for longer extended holidays to the Netherlands, a Dutch tax liability could be triggered. So um, basically from a Dutch perspective, in principle, um, employees are subject to Dutch tax when they perform duties um, in the Netherlands. However, there is particular exemptions available um, in situations where the employee spends less than 183 days in the Netherlands in any 12 month period commencing or ending in that fiscal year. Um, as well as meeting another couple of conditions. Um, for example, remuneration is not paid by or on behalf of an employer resident in the Netherlands, and the remuneration is not borne by a PE um, that the employer has in the Netherlands. Um, so again, for this particular situation, a period of two weeks, we wouldn't expect that there would be any Dutch tax implications. Um, but um, again, they, they the specific function and the conditions of the exemption need to be examined from a Dutch perspective to confirm that. 
Um, so yeah, so so it would continue to be subject to tax in Ireland and potential exemption in the Netherlands to kind of sum that up. Thanks, Elaine. And again, back to you know social security. Is there any considerations in that space? Um, so from a social security perspective, again, like the individual would only pay social security in one country. Um, so from an Irish perspective, the individual's employer would make an application to the Department of Social Protection in Ireland for an A1 certificate to basically retain the individual within the Irish system of social security and exempt them from Dutch social security. Um, this is a relatively straightforward application from an Irish perspective, and it acts as confirmation that the individual will continue to be covered under the Irish social security system. Um, then looking at it from the Dutch perspective, again, we're, we're both countries are relying on kind of the European social security regulations. So um, again, from a Dutch perspective, if the A1 certificate is obtained in Ireland, this will basically exempt the individual from social security in the Netherlands. Um, so a, a copy of that so a copy of that A1 certificate would be available um, as proof um, in the Netherlands that the employee remains covered under the Irish social security regime. Um, again, I suppose from kind of a more general global mobility point of view, we, we, we'd always recommend looking at each situation um, on, a, on a kind of a case by case basis. Um, I suppose it really depends on kind of the individual's tax residence, activities performed in the Netherlands. Um, you know, Dutch consequences can be different. Um, again, our, our Dutch colleagues very often recommend reviewing potential labour law, pension consequences and healthcare coverage as those things, um, you know, are, are quite topical in the Netherlands. And Elaine, in the same situation, you know, what about the employer? Are there any payroll withholding tax implications for the employer to consider? Yeah, um, so good, good question. Um, so from an Irish perspective, um, the company is required to continue operating Irish payroll withholding taxes on 100% of employment income via the POIE system in Ireland, as they always would have done. And the reason for this is because the individual remains tax resident in Ireland and remains subject to tax in Ireland on their worldwide income. Um, from a Dutch perspective, considering the relatively short stay of two weeks um, for visiting family in the Netherlands, um, where where conditions are met, um, where the conditions are met, that it generally wouldn't trigger a payroll withholding obligation um, in the Netherlands. Um, so that's usually if they're less than 183 days in the Netherlands and, and they meet other um, conditions for that particular exemptions. Thanks, Elaine. Um, and Floor. Considering the same scenario, and back to I suppose our previous discussions around the tax consequences for the company, if we take this two-week, you know, holiday working in either the Netherlands or Ireland, is there anything that needs to be considered on the company side? Yeah, Kim, thanks for for this question as well. The situation is quite simple for corporation tax purposes. A presence of two weeks in either Ireland or the Netherlands should not trigger any taxable presence for the employee employer in the Netherlands or in Ireland. Great, nice and simple, Floor. <laughs> what we like when it comes to tax, certainly. So thanks, Floor, and, and thanks, Elaine, for that comprehensive overview of both the income tax and the corporation tax considerations. And um, so that's it. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Tax Time. Visit our website where you can read our expert commentary and insights on all the latest in tax. And also sign up to our newsletter to receive our tax bulletins and information on our tax events.